Welcome to the West of 105 podcast, a podcast that looks at all aspects of lifestyle in Colorado west of the 105th meridian. We're kicking the West of 105 podcast off with a mini-series of episodes that look at the arrival of the Michelin Guide in Colorado. Next week on September 12th, the inaugural Michelin Guide to Colorado will be fully announced and stars bestowed at a ceremony where the glitterati of the Colorado culinary world will come together. The inaugural guide covers four regions of Colorado, Aspen Snowmass, Vale and Beaver Creek Resort, Boulder, and Denver. And so in the build-up to the release, we spoke to chefs from each of the regions to get a feel for those areas, the chefs and their restaurants, and of course their thoughts on the Michelin Guide. Today we're in a place where the beer flows like wine and where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of the Capistrano. We're talking about a little place called Aspen. Specifically, we're at the Little Nell in Aspen talking to James Beard nominee, chef, and co-owner of Bosque, Barkley Dodge, culinary director of the Little Nell, Matt Zubrod, and James Beard nominee, Mawa McQueen, owner of Mawa's Kitchen in Aspen, the Crepe Shack in Aspen, the Crepe Shack Snowmass, Mawitens Mass, and a granola company called Mawa's Grain-Free Nola. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for agreeing to take some time here today to talk to us. Obviously, the whole premise of this is about food in Aspen and Colorado. The Michelin Guide is being announced next month. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to speak to some of the, the movers and shakers in those communities, especially. So we're going to go to Vail later today and speak to some of those guys too. But we just wanted to get your thoughts on things like the guide. And, and we've got some other questions about your backgrounds. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Dennis, uh, do you want to? Uh, yeah, well, a, a, a little bit more spicy too so we want to get to know you yeah who is well. you? you whichever part of you you want to share with us <laughs> yeah i don't i don't want to answer that question and lead you, you in the in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah so definitely rob or i some of the questions you know we we basically want to start a dialogue and then see where it goes yeah right? okay, go ahead. so i got a feeling it's going to go somewhere we didn't expect yeah you think so yeah. i'm trying to be i'm very zen today so let's do it I know yeah. I just got out of woods. I was like, totally <laughs> forgot. Foraging. Right, right. As is, as is your want. Yeah. Barkley, do you mind? Is it, do we need him to move a yeah, little bit Yeah, so closer? Barkley, if you can be. Do you mind? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's probably going to, and you can adjust that. So, Barkley. There you go. Oh, We're going to be There you go. You guys get. This is it. <laughs> Kumbaya. Kumbaya. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay. Dennis, do you want to, we have some, we have some questions. We're just going to start with. We want to get to know you a little bit, like Dennis said. So we want to go back mm-hmm. initially to, to the earliest days of kind of you being kids, what you remember, early early food memories and, and that kind of thing. Tell us, you know. What's the, what's, the, what's the first meal you can remember preparing? Me? Yeah. Okay. Because you, you said, you mentioned earlier that you remember what you, the you cook. Well, you I mean, cook seriously. What well, you cook that? for your whole family. You said, right, right, yes, right. but I don't remember the first meal. Well, not the, cook, the first not, one you can remember. Yeah. I remember that I was cooking and I just cook. How old? How old were you? I was 12. Okay. Yeah. I was cooking for my whole family. Well, that's and, not. And, and it was mainly African French. And I was just doing that. Where were you living then? In Paris. Okay. Oh. Yes. Yes. In suburb of Paris, please. A suburb. Okay. Okay. okay Paris. Suburb means ghetto. Okay. <laughs> in case you didn't get the memo. No. When we say suburb in Paris, mean the ghetto, low income housing. I live in a suburb in Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> I think we they live in this 
Yeah, they have different meanings, right? All right. Yes. I'm ski and ski out. Great. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> now. Yeah. Now. Well, I mean, let's back. take this opportunity to bark it. Where did yeah. you grow up? Well, I grew did up you... in Alabama. Okay. I moved here when I was 13. Were you in a suburb as well? Yeah, I was in a suburb. <laughs> but I do remember, I have a memorable food moment. Okay. And I was around 12 too. My parents mm -hmm. had divorced and I was living with my dad and I made him a cake. And I put Jolly Ranchers in the batter. Mm -hmm. So they melted all through the cake. But then when the cake cooled, it was just shards. <laughs> yeah, they solidified back. <laughs> yeah. That was a memorable moment. But was that, was that a, a moment of madness or a moment of creativity? Did you, you know, can you Honestly, remember? Honestly, I feel like, no, I feel like it was more of a moment of like nurturing, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, my parents were going through a divorce. I was living with my dad. It wasn't like shitty times, but it was just, you know, it's not a good time. Mm -hmm. and the divorces are never pleasant. So I think it was just trying to take care of them. Right. Yeah. As I recall, because I was really bummed out. I was like, oh man, I was just trying to make you a cake. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out. I guess when you're slicing through that cake yeah. and all the Jolly Ranchers are <laughs> yeah. hardened, it's... I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. Well, that's the thought that counts too, yeah. say, right? Exactly. So yeah, that's, you know, early, early days there. Is that when, I mean, I guess the, the, the natural progression is to, you know, when, when did you realize that cooking was kind of going to be your thing? Or early on. Early on? Yeah. I always had an affinity towards it. I always liked food. I always liked to eat. I always liked it being in the kitchen. I always liked being at like my great grandmother's feet in the kitchen, mm -hmm. like in Alabama, in the, in the country. And then moving here, you know, your jobs are like growing up here. They're like retail construction like mm -hmm. summertime jobs as a kid mm -hmm. or restaurants and i dropped into i was in restaurants by the time i was 17 Fine. like you know like my first job was washing dishes yeah like such a iconic first job i right. hated it right hated it but uh, I, I quickly got into the food the kitchen side just fell in love so just from was, there on was that a way to escape the dishwashing or <laughs> <laughs> no i quit the dishwashing job to escape the dishwashing right 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 but I just, you know, it's the only job I've ever had. I've never done anything professionally. Have you? Wow. Yes, I did. Did you mm -hmm. have a, a life before cooking? Oh, no. Oh. Always cooking. No. Yeah. But tell us a little bit, Mawa, about your okay, so, progression. So, mine, I didn't grow up loving cooking. I was just doing that because, you know, in my culture, I'm the eldest. And, you know, you take care of, of your brother and sisters. Mm -hmm. My parents were the breadwinner, so... By the time they come home, it's seven. Everything needs to be done. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't nothing fancy. It was rice, bean, sauce. Everything was sauce because we are very big on it. That's our culture. Or spaghetti or, you know, crepes mm -hmm. or all those things. And nobody <laughs> taught me how to cook. I just did it because I saw people doing it. Or I would cook a tagine because my neighbor is doing it because... It, it, the, our only currency when you live in the ghetto is food. This is the only thing that we share with the neighbor, all the culture. So that's how. And please, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just did it. Yeah. And I wasn't passionate. I never was passionate about it. So I'm not going to lie saying, oh, my God, I, I, I grew up loving all this mm -hmm. shit. Nah, I didn't. So when did that transition come? Okay. So I knew I was doing good. So I went to culinary school and I didn't even choose that. It just happened because I suck at school, regular school. So I did a trade. So yeah. I went to 
culinary school because I was, you know, that's the only good thing that I could do. Mm-hmm. Everything else, English and geography, I did that. And then when I came out, I couldn't find a job because everybody wanted me to be the dishwasher. <laughs> Back in the day in France, there was no such a thing as a black woman be in the kitchen as a, as a chef, right. even though I went to a, a really good school. I mean, no. Like Not dishwasher. even as a stage? No. Even as a stage. Do you know what they did? They put me in the front of the house. And it was so bad. And, and honestly, like, I did have a nervous breakdown in France because I felt like I had, I saw two different friends. The friends that, listen, even though we were living in a ghetto, we did go ski because we have Clash de Neige. Mm-hmm. We went on vacation because the government paid for everything for us, you know. And if you want to go to college, you can go to college. That never was a problem. It's when you get out of it, mm-hmm. you realize that you're a minority. You realize, oh, yeah, okay, actually, this is reality and right. you can't use any of the thing. And I'm like, I'm not about to do dishes. I was already rebellious, you know. I was in a ghetto. I was like, this is not my life. Even yeah. I was living it, I didn't want it, you know. Yeah. So, and like I said, my favorite show, it's the Cosby show. And I'm like, I want to go where those people are. How old were you, you know, when you came out of culinary school? And I was 18, yes. And it was brutal. I spent a year not doing anything, being having depression because mm-hmm. I felt like France wasn't the welcoming country that I dream of, you know. But everybody else was happy to be there and live off the government. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. You know, but, you know, so, so I'm like, okay, I'm going wherever there's black people, America. So I set my mind, not like seriously, I set Mm -hmm. my mind, my whole, I'm going to, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to be successful. Of course. All my friends told me that, oh, go sign up for Disney because they hire so many French people. When it comes to me, it didn't work out. I said, oh, probably like a thousand. Resume. Nobody wanted me. I mean, it was just so bad. And then I started doing, there's one company that hired me, but they didn't hire me even as a chef. They hired me as a front of a house because they didn't believe me, you know. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to go and do, I'm going to serve. That's okay. So you're facing the same issues. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and... It's not like I was disappointed that I didn't cook, but it's just the fact that someone is blocking me and say that right. I can't do this because right. I'm a female and I'm black. And, and then to some extent, I was like, that's true. Actually, I never saw a black female chef, you know? And then also, we need to put it in the context. Back in the day, most of the people who went to culinary school mean their family had a restaurant. Right. That was a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you my age because I look, oh, they say black don't crack, but honey, <laughs> that was over 30 years ago. Like, like seriously, yeah. it was for people who, and it was such a prestige and being a restaurant is not just a, you know, something that you do here. It's, it's, it's a summer job or whatever. Over there, it's a career. It's, 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 you know, there's a soul into it, yeah. you know? So it's, it's totally different. So that, I mean, the, that's your kind of arrival story in mm-hmm. the United States. I mm-hmm. want to just jump back to Barclay a second and ask, how, how did your transition, how did you end up in Colorado? What did that look like going from 
where you grew up to getting? Well, well, Alabama to Colorado was my move because my mom got married to a guy in Aspen. That was a pretty easy move. It was getting here wasn't all that great. I was a redneck. My sister was a Southern belle. She got all the boys. And I was a redneck <laughs> saying words that people were like, what the hell are you talking about? So it took a little while for that transition, but you know, that wasn't really that big of a deal in the scheme yeah. of things. But then getting into the restaurant business, like towards the end of high school and then throughout college, like summertime, wintertime jobs, and then leaving college to go to culinary school, I was like, this is just it. I loved it. I, I was in San Francisco in culinary school. I was cooking in fun restaurants, busy. It was during the explosion, the dot-com explosion, oh. like in the early 90s. So it was all these like 20, 30-year-olds just spending more money than they had. Yeah. It was so much fun. I had no money. I was bouncing checks to eat at restaurants. It was like before credit cards, right. you know, <laughs> before cell phones. <laughs> and I just fell in love with it right away. I, but I loved more than anything. Yeah, I love the cuisine. I love the craft. But I love the, I love the dynamic of the kitchen, the restaurant. I love the drama. I love <laughs> 5.30 p.m. at night when you're going into service and you're like, oh, fuck. I'm not ready. You know, it's just the shit is hitting the fan. Yes. It's so intense, but you know, you're going to get through that 15 minutes and you're going to get into service. And then all your mise en place is there and you're just cruising through service. There's nothing better. And the team is just firing all cylinders. And there's drama throughout the whole thing. Yes. It always is. And do you still feel like that now? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier. So I want to know, are you guys willing to say... Who there's probably this misconception with all the reality TV and, yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. out there. Yeah. What kind of person are you behind the line with everybody? Oh, honey, how I'm would a you character, I'm how, a, I'm characterize super, yourself? No, I'm, I can't characterize myself as someone on TV. Well, I think the whole thing yeah. about is that Gordon Ramsay has kind of yeah, monopolized that whole he's monopolized genre. that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people think of chefs, especially higher end chefs, as super high pressure environment and really act in the way he acts. No, 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 no. Nobody act like him. Okay. Yes. I'm a, I have less patience when I'm in the kitchen mm-hmm. yeah. because I want things to be a certain way. Uh, I'm more short. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I swear a lot. That's the difference. But I laugh a lot and I make yeah. fun and I make joke. Yeah. Totally. But like, we have, I, we're yes. fine, but we're serious. Yes. We're to the point and... But there's a sense of urgency mm-hmm. that nobody will understand, like a red, like a chef will. Mm-hmm. Like I will be the guy who goes postal in the post office. Like, yeah, for sure. I can't handle it. If, if you're nobody wants to wait for their steak. Yes, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're always like boom, 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 boom on the move, on the move. And forty, let me think, fifty-four. So I can't even do the math right now. Thirty-five years of doing this, I'm just wired to be on the fuck. Yes. You know, and it's unfortunate, like for my kids and my wife sometimes. Yeah. Well, I guess the question, the natural next question is, how do you unwind if you can't, if you're always in that kind it's of state of It's just zero to 60. Yeah. It's just shut down. You know, I remember there's this episode, I really like Chef's Table a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good series mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there was the Ben Shuri one of Attica and he was saying like he would just come home like a zombie. And, you know, he, he had a family and he's like, that, this just can't go on like this. I'm losing my family because right. at home, I'm just like shutdown mode. And right. that's kind of the way it is. Yeah. You know, we're at work 14 hours a day. That's pretty norm. 12 to 14 solid. 
It's like watching that show, The Bear. Oh, I love The Bear. But yeah. I would watch it after work. And I'm like, this is not good. Right. Like, I just did 14 hours of this. Right. I don't need this anticipation and stress, <laughs> right. like, hovering. I'm sitting on the couch right now. Right. So, it's for me, it's zero to 60. Yeah. I'm either on or I'm off. Yeah. And it's pretty dramatic. I, I mean, so I know that you're a you're a big forager. Yeah. Is that is that downtime for you? Is that is in that a way, a... but it's also pretty like I mean, I was out this morning before I met with you guys, and you kind of get into this focal mindset. You just like when you start finding something, then you it becomes kind of a frenzy. You're like, right. well, you right, go into right, the woods, right. you're like focused on it. Yeah. So sometimes you need to take the deep breaths and. Right. But I tell you what, one thing about living here in Aspen, I didn't realize it when I was a kid, but I realize it now, and I realize it my pretty much my whole adult life is I don't take it, any of this for granted or for, you know, like I appreciate, I look around, I'm like, wow, this place is gorgeous. We're mm -hmm. lucky to live here. Mm -hmm. This is pretty cool. And we live in a place that gives us off seasons, which is really unique to have the downtime to go do a stage in another restaurant, go to another culture, explore food, take a trip with your family right, and come back and and step back right into and step right back into it and do it at such a high level mm -hmm. because we have the clientele who can afford it so we can we know our food's not cheap right. farm raised no. food local farm raised food costs an arm and a leg right so and I want to pay that because I want to support my farmer mm -hmm. so uh, to come to a place like you know Aspen's one of the only places in America that gives you the time off and the ability to keep cooking at this level for these people. I've looked around the country. Yeah. You know, in Southern California, in the desert, they shut down for the summer, but you're at a golf mm -hmm. resort in the desert. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. There's no there's no other place in the world that you have two off seasons, yeah. basically, yeah. that, that you but we give you that I time. I personally don't always love the off season because I'm not downtown Aspen. I'm the other side with the normal people. So I like it, you know, I, I wish it was less down downtown. Okay, I used to mm -hmm. love it, but now I don't because my business is really affected by Because it. you don't have an off season. Yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I choose to like make, you know, people go, oh, you should stay during off season. I'm like, no. No, I'm, no. I'm not going to stay. Is that, is that what, perhaps a misconception or something that people don't understand about what you do? When they flippantly say, you should just stay open. You're like, I, I need that time. Well, you, I mean, okay, this off season, I'm taking 20 of my staff to Oaxaca. Oh, wow. Mexico City. So we are, okay, we really are good. like, you know, and then last fall, my general manager and I went to Copenhagen for nine days and eight. Like we are, we're, we're, we're still plugged in while we're off. Right. You know, and this is the inspiration and the, in the R and D and the camaraderie and the ability to like, to really step away from the everyday craziness and create because it's, it's not hard to create at work. And the best stuff comes out during the thickest times. Mm -hmm. But when you do have that mental break, you really kind of like, like the sponge releases mm -hmm. and yeah. you can kind of like start soaking stuff back up again and, and start putting it back out again. Yeah. Okay. I'm so going to go work for Barclay because <laughs> I don't like what you just said. It sounds very good. 20 people to go to Oaxaca. I don't want my people to come and say, Mara, you know, Barclay is taking these people. You're a, you're a small business like you. I'm like, he's okay. down. Let me say. I'm they're, just saying. Everyone's okay. taking themselves to Oaxaca. I'll put it okay. Right okay. Please <laughs> say that because I don't want no, them to are. come. I have so many chefs. They're going to be like. Mm, no, no, no. Mm, well, uh -huh. When it was eight of us, I was mm -hmm. like, okay. But then turned into they paying themselves okay <laughs> that was so, a, that was a message directly from mawa to her staff yes. there we go oh, um, yes because the when I, that they're listening. no no because 
everybody. So it's my staff Barclay. needs to be listening too. We'll make sure they all listen. Barclays a small business owner. Mm-hmm. It's not big, big, giant corporation. So, mm-hmm. you know, we are like, right. okay, it's right. more bougie, fancy. With the foam, I'm more down to earth. <laughs> okay. So my people will say, you see, Barclays, he took his people to Copenhagen. I'm like, yeah, and? Yes. Mawa can't afford it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take them to Palisade. Go to Pesh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting you talk about Copenhagen and Oaxaca. Yeah. It's the, where do you find that balance between, you know, consistency in a restaurant, a high-end restaurant where you have to be consistent versus creativity? Man, we're riding a fine line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're always on the edge of crashing. Yeah? Yeah, kind of. So is it kind of like, like from the consumer's perspective, it seems like no, it's... No, I don't think the consumer knows. No, but the, the, the duck... You know, like under the water, in the kitchen, everything's crazy. But out in the restaurant, everything is perfect, yeah. very nice and yeah. calm and mm-hmm. serene. And it seems like that's, that's your life. Yeah. So that, that's the same with consistency versus creativity. How often do you want to change menus up? Every day. Every day. How often? It changes every day. Yeah. It changes a couple of times a week. Not the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Items come and go like right. constantly, especially in the summertime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just this place is on fire right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the winter, it's all about the parsnip. And it's about if your truck get here, your truck need to get here. Yeah. Like literally wintertime. Oh my God. It's a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. Can I just so go you back there one? Go ahead. I was just at Barkley. It sounded like you scoffed a tiny bit at the parsnip. I'm a huge parsnip. I love parsnips. <laughs> But we went through a lot of parsnips this winter. Really? Parsnip puree. Yeah. And then to top, it off, to top it off, we did a parsnip thing for food and wine tent in mm-hmm. June. So right when we're done with the parsnip, we just cruised through another 750 pounds of parsnip. We were, our only goal was the skin. Right. That was all we wanted for this dish. So is that, a lot. Is, is that, do you get burned out on certain ingredients? Mm, not really burnt out on them. You're just looking for a change. And yeah. Then, you know, we definitely have our repertoire, our pantry, what works for us here in Aspen, what we can go out and collect in the woods and get from our farms, put up in the summertime for the wintertime. We've developed what works for us. It took, mm-hmm. it took, it's still mm-hmm. evolving, but mm-hmm. it took about five years at Bosque for us to figure out, okay, this is what we need and what we don't need. Right. I, I'm really looking forward to this trip to Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to come back with Mexican food. Right. No, never I hope before. no. Hmm? I hope not. No. But what, what, but I what, want what to come back with, you know, I really Thank like you. big, bold flavors and cultures like that have that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very akin to Mexico. I've spent a lot of time in Mexico. I've traveled to the country. It's our neighbor country. The food's insane. So I, I hope to come back more with just like an ingredient kind so, of mm-hmm. inspiration and technique inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years How back, do you transition something like a, like a mole into something that's huh. not... Right. And it's a funny you, you bring up, well, right now we have a mole on the menu, a oh, mole from Oaxaca. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually mix it with parsnips. <laughs> Sounds amazing. That couldn't have, that couldn't have been planned yeah. any better. I know. I know. <laughs> this is not scripted. But it's, like but it's, but it's a whole, mo- you know, comprised, I mean, like create a dish here in the Rockies. You know, it's a dish composed of, of ramp bulbs. Stinging nettles done two different ways, wild huckleberries, and then mole. So it's it's just kind of like an addition, like an inspiration that's touching into it. It's not a Mexican mole right. at all. The mole is from Oaxaca. Right. I won't make a mole. Mm-hmm. I'll make like a green mole or a simple mole. 
But I will, I've tried to make a mole. No way. Yeah. You got to get it from grandma mm-hmm. from the village. You can get the base from them. Yeah. And we I, get the base. We, we you know, we, at Mawita, we have the base and that's what we use. Yeah. You know, we did this thing a couple of years ago. It was really fun. Do you remember the Mexican pop-up we did for lunch? Yes. So we went, this was before COVID. We did a, we were used to do lunch and we was like, we're going to do a Mexican pop-up for lunch this summer. It's Mexican beachy street food, legit, mm-hmm. not That's American. Mm-hmm. And two chefs from Marietta come up to be with us for this experience and show us like techniques and recipes from the villages of the Yucatan. We got all of our corn from Macienda from Oaxaca. We bought this old rinky dinky mill from Molino from Mexico City. And we were nixtamalizing, grinding our own corn in-house. And we had Esperanza, who was a dishwasher, who never washed a dish in her life, who ended up making tortillas. I went out of business this summer. I had so many people on payroll making this happen. <laughs> and Esperanza made tortillas all day long. Blue, red, white, all different kinds of tortillas. And this was so good. But the coolest thing was the techniques we learned. Because like, for instance, we were really into these sauces now and the inspiration for Mexico without doing Mexican food. You know, we, we were really into these like ricottas. So we take, uh, we take chilies and we burn them black, like completely mm-hmm. burn them black. I watched this guy light up about $400 worth of chilies. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then we took garlic and we burnt it right on the stovetop, the whole clove, skin and all, burnt it. That, and that's a no-no in our in Western cuisine. You mm-hmm. don't burn garlic. Right. It's like yeah. bitter. We burnt the onions. We burnt the tomato. We burnt everything. To char- not charcoal, but mm-hmm. we burnt it. Pureed it all up in the, in the mocajete and... We have Ezekiel pack along with some pumpkin so, seed. Uh-huh. And it's the most delicious thing. And it's such a technique. And there's many more cooking methods like that that are, have nothing to do with the way we were raised in culinary school mm-hmm. with, with Western cuisine. That's really you know, and I'm sure like, you know, Asia has those kind of things too. I just mm-hmm. don't know the cuisine. But here's Mexico coming out with these like r- deeply rooted, you know, techniques that made the cuisine so much better. And it was nothing like a gringo taco. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it was really great. And so we made, you know, we did it simple. It wasn't like, you know, hard taco with lettuce and cheese and all that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty simple, legit. But that was, I don't know where that came from, but that was no, a pretty no, no. fun time. So is it safe to say though, that this is a lifelong learning process? Oh, You definitely. can always find new ingredients and techniques. And definitely. is that, is that what you strive for? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, I think again, to go back to the consistency aspect of this. So your clients, then your customers, then the return customers, especially, they trust you. Yeah. So they don't come to you because they know what they're going to get. They come to you because they don't know. Well, they come because I think, I mean, the, I hear the food's delicious. Mm-hmm. I've had So mm-hmm. that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah. throw all this fancy stuff in there, but it needs to taste good. Yeah. And we've really t- tapped into deeper depths of flavor in the last three or four years. That's very substantial. So are you guys not influenced at all by the, you know, although that you live in a resort town and the, the population is like ever changing, right? Yeah. It's turning over. And so a lot of people are coming into your restaurant maybe for the first time, but then there's also a lot of people that are coming in the second, third time this year, every year that yeah. they come back and forth. Mm-hmm. Where is the challenge there for you to, this was kind of towards the question earlier, like that consistency, right? The expectation of what yeah. they have in your restaurant versus you being able to be creative in what you want to do. Like how much of, how much of that is, is that at all a challenge? Have you reached a point where it's not anymore? Like, now you know, for me, for me I, I need to be creative. I mean, and you know, so you what, honestly, 
I don't care about, like, it's about me. So I'm sorry. This is so <laughs> selfish. I cook for me right. than for my audience. That's, I need to be in true. love with what I put in my body. I need to be in love with the craft, even making my granola by myself. I love doing what I do. And I need to, I, I can't just cook for you, you know? Right. It doesn't make sense. Like, I'd be tired and, you know, there's so much work that go into it. If we just do that for the money, I mean, honey, we'll be, I'll be out of business and have depression because the pressure. But you know where I shine the most is when I create. And I'm telling you, before George Floyd, my cuisine was French, Mediterranean, because I always did the safe thing. Because, you know, I live in Aspen, everybody's white, mm -hmm. and I don't know what they want. And people know me as healthy. So I make a name by myself, not for the Afro-Mediterranean that I'm doing right now. Because that's, yeah, that's the core of who mm -hmm. I am. I made a name before myself for cooking healthy food. Right. We used to have Farmer Jack. They used, this is how I, I came into the farming, and I didn't know shit about it. You know, and, and all, all this organic thing. You know, this guy was bringing some product to the little Nell, mm -hmm. and he didn't know where to sleep. And we had the kitchen. Do you remember the, the ABC kitchen? You had a corner. I had a corner. Funny enough, mm -hmm. we were private chef. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would come and sleep in that kitchen because nobody will host him. And he will wash the vegetables. He will give me some, sleep there, and bring to all those restaurants. I mean, we started that movement. So when I hear people say, like, okay, we're using only organic and blah, blah, blah. So you don't even know how this thing started. That poor guy died. And then now another company is doing it. It's Farm Runner. But like, I saw this guy. He was sleeping in my kitchen, wow. you know, back in the day. <laughs> and that, that's how I learned about, oh, the griffing in Aspen. I mean, in Colorado. I mean, it was so funny. This old dude was bringing things here. And back in the day, it was Ryan here too. So for me, creativity is a must. If I don't create, I die. Okay, so in my restaurant, it's African because now I feel more comfortable with myself. And, and I want to show something different than steak and sushi. Mm -hmm. I am tired. If I see one more sushi or steak restaurant in Aspen, I'll throw up. <laughs> Like, literally, I love everybody, but, like, come on. Like, we have, okay, we have the best customer. Those people travel all around the country, mm -hmm. go everywhere, and all we give them is be safe. Like, everybody's, like, doing the same thing. Barclays adventurous, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, he doesn't make that much money. I'm adventurous. I don't make that much money, okay? And we are the only local, and we need more support for our craft, okay? People want to eat diverse cuisine, ethnic food. And I love the fact that he, deep, he dived deep into the Oaxaca. I dived deep into the African culture, Middle Eastern culture. That's what I love. You know, it's, you know. it's my go-to. I love it. And I think Aspen should have more culture. We don't have culture. We don't have diversity cuisine yeah. here. You know, everything is safe and it's sad. Yeah. Well, I guess a question that we, I wanted to ask was, you know, with the Michelin Guide is coming to Colorado next month. So when yeah. you talk about, you know, you need support, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on the Michelin Guide. What mm -hmm. do you think it will mean 
for Colorado? What will it mean for Aspen and what could it mean for you too? I think it's an amazing thing. We need it. And, and also it showed that the fact that we're coming to Colorado, Colorado has more to offer than, you know, nature. We evolve in our cuisine. I think some people think that we are all about, you know, being hippie, either you're vegan or you eat meat, meat mm-hmm. and potato. No, I mean, there's amazing chef like Barclay. You go to Denver. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And so many people have been getting James Beer Award. They're creative. Mm-hmm. They're young. And I think that will help showcase more of that. And having the stamp of the, the Michelin, it gives permission to people to go more to that restaurant. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they trust that. Mm-hmm. Right. Com- compared to if we, we, we're just doing what we're doing and, and a few people know about it. My restaurant, most of the people are foreigners. You know, they come visit and they're like, right. oh my God, I want something different than those fancy restaurants. Yeah. So they come and, and I'm, I'm out of the way too. So... It's hard to get to me, right. you know, but they, 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 they love the food, so they yeah. will go there. <laughs> I, think, I think it's obvious that perhaps Bosque is more in line with what Michelin at least used to be and that, you know, higher end. And mm-hmm. what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the guide and, you know, how do you think it could impact your business? Well, my thoughts on the guide are, I mean, Michelin, James Beard, top 50, whatever, these things, they have like two sides to them to me. One, the ego. So yeah, it's a nice feather in the cap. But I've also kind of left the ego in my career, just my age. I was a lot more ego-driven when I was in my 30s. Not saying that it'd be great and I would love it. So, but also there's the business side of it. Right. And in a place like Aspen, you know, we're only, okay, granted, I do shut down for my off season, but I also do that because I'm not really making any money during that mm-hmm. time of year. So right. that's true. So we're making money seven, eight months a year. And then even within those seven, eight months, there's seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're already, see, we're seeing one as of this week because the music just stopped and kids are going back to school. So we have our first like dip. Mm-hmm. And then after Labor Day, there'll be another dip and it'll kind of be steady through September. And then, you know, after Christmas, January is a dip. So there's like, it's, I feel like for us, and I'm not, I'm a small restaurant. I only need 45 people at night. That's my golden number. I feel like it would set up a consistency of reservations throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of it being like a, a night of, you know, 18, 20 on the books, I'll just walk into the season with 40 on the books every night. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for Right. when, when Michelin starts to recognize their restaurants in mm-hmm. the state. And I hope mm-hmm. because Denver is different there, you know, they've got the demographic to mm-hmm. support it, but there's not really that many people here. Yes. Right. And when you come to Aspen on vacation, you want to go hit, Matu or a bunch of restaurants. All the fancy yeah. one. You I mean, know? yeah. If Sorry. I get somebody in a, <laughs> a week vacation and they come into Boss twice, I'm like, I'm psyched. That's really cool. One. I take of... one. Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> need two. I take one. So yeah. I shuttle them myself if I have to. <laughs> and the nice thing about Michelin, I think too, is like James Beard, I mean, we were a semifinalist this mm-hmm. year. Yes. But that's as far as we made it. Would I have liked to make it make it further? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Only one person makes it to the end. Whereas with Michelin, you'd have a gamut of one star, right. two star, three star mm-hmm. recommended mm-hmm. big gourmands out there. It's not just one guy. Right. It's not like saying blue is the best color. Right. Well, and the James Beard Award covers a big area too, right? It's not Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of a big that, area. Mountain. That, that mountain All the mountain. area. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't yeah. want to knock the Beard Awards or dilute it, but like Mich- Michelin, to me, like Barbie said, it, it's, it's, a, it's really good for business on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Well, A, it's specifically acknowledging cuisine 
Yes. And and the chef, you know, and not and all all other categories together. And the all of my Michelin friend chefs who have all the accolades in different areas say Michelin brings more to their table, bringing them business than others. And then the other, the other point is, I think there's a lot of chefs now that are culinary cooks that want to work for Michelin chefs. So I Mm -hmm. think it will bring, yeah, like we, we used to have a lot of cooks that wanted to come work for us in Aspen. I remember those days you had great resumes. They worked at all the great places in New York. They would just take a cooking job to come to Aspen. And now we're not getting that. So no. this, bringing this to the mountains might help us attract, mm-hmm. I think, good, better, better, eager culinarians, hopefully. Yeah. They want to work for us. It, it should, 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 yeah. whoever gets the Michelin award. I, I only want Bib Gorman, okay? I don't mm-hmm. want none of the other one. You can have the other one. Me, I want just Bib Gorman. You, you can share. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that this Matthew Zubrod has just joined us. Yeah, just apologies in case for you the did, didn't, didn't recognize that voice that's, that's, that's jumped in there. So yes, you can share the stars between you and Mo. I was quite happy with the Bib Gorman. Is yes. that a, that's a good arrangement? Re- recommended, I think, yes. is also great because I think some people are intimidated by three, two, and one star Michelins. Yeah, they assume it's going to be super expensive, and it's yeah. not always the case. <laughs> but I think it's again, it's like I love Raleigh and Chateau, but I think the Michelins already established pretty well in North America. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just getting better and better, adding the new states. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I think I, I, everyone I've spoken to has been excited about the guide oh, yeah, uh, coming absolutely. here, and it's you know it's been a long time, and I think a lot of people don't realize too that if if an area or a state doesn't have the guide, technically that those places don't have Michelin stars, but there are Michelin worthy restaurants in Aspen, yes, and and in Colorado, but without the guide. You can't get the stars. So it's going to bring, I think, recognition mm-hmm. to places that are operating at that Michelin level. You know, they just don't have that accolade. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's an exciting time for, for the Vale Valley, too, and Boulder, Denver, and yep. getting mm-hmm. the guide, too. So, yeah, it's an exciting time. Do you have any thoughts on places in Aspen that you think, apart from your own places, that, you know, are going to be in line possibly for record? So recognition by the guy. I don't even want to speculate on that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. small of a town. Uh, there, there's some other good chefs in Aspen and yeah. restaurants, but yeah. again, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you have less than a month. Right? September 12th, I September think, 12. Is, the, is D-Day. Yeah. When Do you know when we're finding out who's being invited? Nope. I guess it's going to be a big blanket send-off. So is that what I'm, I'm assuming? Because I know. It's not, a, not a clear invite. It just says so the date. they invite you? That's what I think, doing. I mean, they're having a big ceremony in Denver, I understand. Yeah, in Denver. You get... It's you, on the 12th of September. Some people know that, yeah. but that's yeah. all we know. So you're invited. No, yeah. well, no, no, I guess. Not no, that specific. was the release. That was the yeah. release. Okay. The press release. Yeah. That was the release. Yeah, I guess they have to give you some time to but prepare. But we're all coming. A lot of us are coming from far away. Like, I looked into hotels the other day. It ain't cheap to be like right there in Rhino. Talk to me. To I'll, I'll help you out with hotel. Really? Yeah. Okay, we're going. Not, not cop, I, can get a, I can get a discount rate if uh, if there's availability at our new hotel. We have a hotel yeah. there. Yeah. You did where? It's the old Bourne. It's the Limelight Denver on Union, in Union Station. Oh, yes, that's oh, pretty. Oh, sweet hotel. Yes. Kimpton. Yes. Yes. Kimpton. Yeah. It was Kimpton. Yeah, now it's Limelight. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Yes. Well, you just got to get that invitation to the ceremony now. That's no, right. No pressure from that. That's right. No pressure for you. But no, I'm really excited about Michigan yes. being here. Yeah. And I'm, I was actually pretty surprised. I didn't expect it. This fast. Yeah. This, this, yes. Yeah, exactly. This fast. Maybe down the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're making a lot of traction right now. Yeah, this hit Atlanta. They mm-hmm. were in Miami recently and some other mm-hmm. southern yeah. Florida cities. And it's it's cool to see. And it's, it's definitely, a, I understand it's a business. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're getting And I think we paid, earned it. But, but I mean, we earned it. I think Colorado earned it. I mean, we have so many great food. Well, it and fits great. for us, too. We're a destination yes. place to begin with. We're a tourist destination yes. place. Aspen is already primed for the clientele mm-hmm. with restaurant shopping, hotels, and every, all the amenities. Absolutely. So it makes sense to have it, especially, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, in yeah. this state. Well, think about the original concept was it's a destination to drive to. Right. Yeah. And all our summer business, most of our summer business, or a lot of our summer business people drive here. Yes. Yeah. To see other parts of Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think most people know, but some maybe not, that Michelin is still primarily a tire company. Yeah. I have Michelin on my car. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I have set too. In France. Well, yeah. Better get a set. Yeah. Roadside, where to eat. You know, while you're getting your tires changed, I mean, it's a that's where it started. It's gone from strength to strength, I think and that's, that's what's cool about the European side of it too. Because yes. I went to a bunch of one-star Michelins, and when I was in Portugal, mm-hmm. and they were just like mom and pop. I love it. That's rustic stews, but it was a good place to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got that. They got that star. Yeah, I'm going to Copenhagen specifically. The Michelin restaurants in Copenhagen because yeah. that's the new Let's talk. new capital. Okay, you I got was there you. last fall. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, you took twenty of his feet. No, there. I took one. Well, I was trying to close trouble. Did nine, yes. nine. Okay, yeah. I, I got, I got like four. So, okay. Do you, but do you think, do you think the guide has changed then? Because I mean, it definitely has, or at least it did have a reputation for being kind oh. of bougie, for want of a better term. But, but like you said, there's a lot of places that are really. Uh, I don't good. think so. I think it's always had a lot of integrity, personally. I uh, no, I think it changed. I think it was. I the, think it's difficult it, no, no. to keep up on. You know, I saw it a changed. lot of chefs started giving away their third star just because right. they didn't want to like deal with all the accoutrement involved mm-hmm. to maintain mm-hmm. the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you look around a restaurant, you just look around you. Look at all the things we have to buy. Yes. Right. Well, that's I the other mean, thing. It's mm-hmm. insane. Right. Because it's not just food either with Michelin, of course, exactly. right? It's the, it's service. It's yeah. the, the entire mm-hmm. experience. The and so, it's, yeah, it's, I, th- I mean, I can imagine it's a huge amount of pressure for a three star, but even getting a star, then you're tasked with maintaining that star. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, is good too. Pressure's mm-hmm. on. Right. Yeah, a little you know, pressure. Maintain it. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. I'd say uh, of the handful of Michelins I've visited in the past year, there's only one that didn't live up to par. And that, but there's, and I'm sure I visited over 10. So they're usually spot on with recommendations, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of Michelin this year and they were all really good. Yeah. And some of them were just outstanding. Yeah. You're like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you, yeah. you want to drop a name or two of some of the more outstanding ones? Well, I mean, I got to tell you, the Alchemist in Copenhagen was one of the most amazing dining experiences. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what it is. And the food was delicious. And the, and the knowledge of the staff was impeccable. But to me, the restaurant that really kind of like sang out the most to what we're doing was Caddo in Copenhagen. They're two-star Michelin. And it was just... I just understood. It was like we were a brother restaurant. Mm-hmm. There was like this kindred spirit between our cuisine and style and everything. And I just got it. And that was what I really liked about visiting Copenhagen is I felt like this is a definitely center stage place in the world. And it's a place that we draw a lot of inspiration from, definitely, you know, for sure. And I felt like we just, you know, we were kind of like fitting in. Like we were on the level and it was a nice thing to feel. Like I didn't walk out like, oh my God, I want to do this. I want to do that. It was more like I saw dining experiences and dining rooms and how people mm-hmm. operated more than just the, I felt like we were working on the same kind of par with the food. 
Yeah. But it was the other experiences that we could take from, especially in a town like Aspen, because we're, we're so closed in here. As you know, and it's kind of like a little desert, you know, a little, you know, mm-hmm. little oasis in the mm-hmm. desert here. Uh, and to see other styles of doing service is a big deal. You know, you kind of get your blinders on a little bit. It's nice just to go out and see. Like when I do stages in foreign countries, I'm looking at everything from the dishwasher to the racks and the walk-in. Like, what's different there? Yeah. Because they have different products. You know, I remember the yeah. first time I saw a Thermomix at Tel Bugi, I was like, what the hell is this thing? I a blender that could cook a soup? <laughs> Try Daniel Balou's kitchen. And then I got home and looked up how much it cost. I was like, I ain't getting this right now. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that you can just learn from, you know, that's why off seasons is so great here to travel. Right. You mm-hmm. learn so much from other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, we talked earlier briefly about Aspen and its off seasons and, sure. and the opportunities that that presents. I mean, do, do you have the same sort of off-season schedule that the, the Nell? Yeah, we close too. Yeah. It's just, again, business, like it, smart to, and give everybody a break. I think the seasonal, seasonality of living here is kind of fun. You play a, you can work hard for four or five months and take a, a month off in theory. Yeah. But when you have kids, it's a little different. But yeah. But uh, then you get time with your kids. Then you get time with your kids. Yeah. True story. Yeah. But back to the, the, the restaurants, mm-hmm. um, Quince, for example, has been a Michelin restaurant for a long time. Like, and you wonder how those ones keep their stars if they're still epic. And I went there and it was epic and Saison and San Francisco and then, and then Gabriel Couther's restaurant in New York. So it's visiting these is like legendary every time almost one with the two and three stars for sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely fun to see people so tuned into their craft and maintaining. Because you know, at the end of the challenging day, themselves. this is our craft. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, like you said, I guess that's the. That's the pressure is you get a star, then you have to maintain that star. But it kind of, it keeps you honest. I suppose mm-hmm. it, it, it mm-hmm. keeps you working hard. Not that I, Good. I mean, I suppose you do anyway, but it's official in yeah. that respect. Like you Can't know, go back. inspectors are coming back. You know, they're coming back. And back to your times. question about off season, it's scary because we, we get rated, we get evaluated by Forbes. And when it starts to get slow, you want to save money. You send people home, you run yeah. lean mm-hmm. and you still have to have the same exact cuisine and service. And that's a challenge in the yeah. off seasons when you're open. Take your foot off the gas because you're not doing 60 a night. But bro, that's right. been like our career. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember I was working for an O'Bearish property in Santa Fe during the 08 crash. We're doing, you know, Michelin level, you know, fine everything hotel. And then you have to cut, you know, 50% of the staff got fired. And you have to maintain, you know, the expectation from the customer doesn't change. Can't cut um, your menu in half. Yeah, right, they right. don't. They, they want everything they got, but there's only one person on the floor serving them now. There's room service has gone haywire. Or, you know, it, that's how it goes here. Or, or even COVID. Look at COVID. Right. That was a huge hit. And then it didn't help that nobody wanted to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Like the labor pool, we had to shut down two days a week for the last two years just because I'm we sure we doing, all dealt yeah. with yeah, that. Yeah, we are all doing. Because we couldn't staff it. And that's a lot of money you're losing two days a week. Times sure two, the times seven, times 15. And you don't want to half-ass those two days a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. So it's yeah. hard, you know, to maintain the level because the the late, you know, we're dealing with such a organic, ever-changing thing, and that's people. Mm-hmm. Be it the customer or be it the employee or the business partner or whatever. It's like you're dealing with so many personalities, and you're always having to, like, pivot. Right. To, to to deal with those because we're, at the end of the day, we're trying to maintain hospitality. Right. Especially we are in the kitchen and we are cooking. We are on the line. It's mm-hmm. not like we delegate and we have so many people that can cook. Mm-hmm. So especially me, when I do African food, 
I'm trying to do elevated African food, Caribbean food. So it's very specific and we always have to train people, but I need to be on the line most of the time right. because it's new to people. It's new culture and ingredient for people. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work. But you know, I can't not be on the line. If I'm not yes. on the line, I lose, con I lose control of everything. Mm -hmm. I lose creativity. I lose what's true, what's going on with my food. Yes. And yes, yeah, so I'll never have 10 restaurants. I'll have a one. I will have right. 10 restaurants. You will. <laughs> I know but not African. Only one, only one restaurant in Maui. Okay. And then crepes across America. Exactly. You got it. That's it. <laughs> Just get on like United <laughs> Airlines or something. Yeah, I know, right? It's fine. It's so, I mean, we'll, we'll begin wrapping it up soon. I just, I wanted to say, because it's such a high pressure environment and you can't not be on the line. You, mm -hmm. it's, it's zero to 60. Correct. Did you ever, or could you ever see yourself doing anything else? Was that ever an option for any of you? Definitely not. I'll die on a line. I won't die on a line. For <laughs> sure. Sorry. But maybe do something else. Like Maybe. What? I don't know. Maybe be a lawyer. I think I'd be a good debater. You know? <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> because, because honestly, I think the pressure take away from the joy that we have, like to do the business, you know, not having enough staff. People are more demanding. People are vicious when it comes to the restaurant. They come and they just write whatever they want. So there's so much more pressure today than before. Mm -hmm. And and for me, it's just, it's hard. There's you more know? pressure, but look what ha look what's happening today. Look at what social media has done. Like, because we started cooking before social media. Correct. So it was just like the cookbooks, mm -hmm. the magazine. Mm -hmm. And those cookbooks were not cheap and you were a young mm -hmm. cook. So to get hold of these things. And so anyway, what the social media has done is we're tapping into what a chef is doing in the Amazon. You know, and then having a dialogue with that person, like, how had you do that? And then that's what's so cool to me now with, with, yeah, we have to deal with so much more and people are then all the reviews and everything. Yes. But you know what? That's why we're in the kitchen too. Like, I don't, I, I don't read the reviews. I, I do. I, if I don't need, I do. if I shouldn't be in a dining room because I'm going to snap at somebody, then I don't have to go into the dining room. And, right. You know, I don't have to put a face on. I can't put a face on. I, I agree with that. That's why I end up in the kitchen. Yeah, I, yeah. I have opportunity I to grow with this company, but I, I, the, the, the hospitality to me, like yeah. I'm not on the line all the time, but I do micromanage the chefs, taste a lot, correct a lot, thoroughly put a lot of thought into dishes yeah. and have an amazing team. It's, it's hard for me because we, we're, we're a much bigger operation than, mm -hmm. yeah. than, than Barclays, but I do, I just want to. But you're in the kitchen. I, yeah. I'll definitely in the kitchen, prefer yes. to be in the kitchen, yeah. prefer to wear whites. That's, don't yeah. mind talking to guests, but, but feel more yeah, comfortable to helping out when it's busy, uh, crank out, you know, a few steaks or whatever it is yeah. in the kitchen. No. I'm, I'm one more. I'm just curious about, you know, how it, how it hurts, you know, when you, you read a bad review, if you read them or an unreasonable I do. review, I you do. know, how, I how, cry. how much does it hurt? It hurt me because one person bad experience or assumption of, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't get this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're one time. Yes, we are a human being and we make mistakes. Nobody, nobody. We fail sometimes in a restaurant business. You know, I can't do a 500 brunch and not have your egg, every single one of them cook perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'll be, I'll be God. Okay. Yes, it happened. Your egg wasn't cooked. And then someone would, 
oh my God, I can't believe she got a, a James Beard nomination. She can't even cook an egg. And I'm like, of course it hurt. Mm-hmm. A black woman, I'm a woman, I'm sensitive. It hurt. So, yeah, I take it personally. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to right. I take it so personally because I care. Yeah. And yes, now I decided that I'm not going to read it, but I do anyway yeah. because I'm just, I'm a control freak. I'm in the kitchen and I want everything to be perfect. And, and, and so it's this thing. You want perfection, but yet it hurts so much because I think those people don't know that their review have an impact. I love const- mm-hmm. constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. If you came and say, hey, Mao, I think this wasn't, I'd be happy. Like, this is how we grow. It's not just being vicious in the language that they use. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, don't come to this restaurant. And I'm like, are you people? Right. I mean, when you go buy your bag and, and you say to Prada, oh, I don't like this bag. And, and they, they, any other industry, they don't get that, that, that hatred. Mm-hmm. Okay, but when it comes to us, like we need to accept everything because the restaurant, we're in a hospitality business. Yes, I agree, we're in a hospitality business, but we are above all human beings who do what they love the most. And I think people need to respect that a little bit and be a little bit more kind. I think people need to be kinder. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't say, don't give us your opinion. We welcome your opinion. Actually, don't give it to me because I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, my being is to answer every single thing. Thank God I have a German husband who say, do not, because I want to be vicious as they are. But mm-hmm. you know what? When they go low, get us, keep it up, you know, like so, 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 but like, I'm just asking people, if you yeah. come to my restaurant, you're not happy, send me an email. I'd be happy to refund you. Okay. But don't be vicious. Don't attack my staff because we can't speak English. Guess what? We can't get people to come to work here. So I have to get J-1 visa. They don't speak English. They do the best that they can. You don't speak their language. So be kind. People are just mean. And I have a hard time with it. That's the only part in my business that I, I dislike. Because I'm here. I need to protect my staff. Okay? And I can't protect them because they come and crying. Can you imagine when you made... You, you, you're trying to make food and they work so many hours and, and then they have to take abuse from people. Yeah. It's just hard. Yeah. Matt, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on mean people? Yeah, I think over the years I've gotten thicker skin and mm-hmm. when I have my restaurant, I read everything and got, took it really personal. But I, I think there are people that have opinions. And I mean, if you don't see a trend with a lot of negative reviews and you can ignore the one, the small ones, I, I think, or mm-hmm. that's what I've come to do because you can't beat yourself up if, if one out of a hundred people says they hated, that they hated your restaurant, that's just someone fired up and, yep. and I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to affect your business that much, but if you have a lot of negative reviews, that's mm-hmm. when you got to pay attention to, yeah. if you are, you got to ask yourself what you're, if you're doing something wrong. We are, we are hyper-focused here on, on, on feedback and, and most of them come back are positive. I don't even look at them, but whenever someone has something to say, we, 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 we dial in on it. If it was mm-hmm. a burger cooked wrong in Ajax, we'll go find out who cooked it and talk to them and be all over it. But I mean, if you're all over it, I think you can, some of them may, may hurt, I guess, especially if it's your name on the door, that's a little different. My name's not on the door. <laughs> so yeah, I could see why you take a person. I would too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And the staff is harder to get. Yes. But the customer is more demanding. Yes. I guess for the customer. But Michelin may attract foodie people, which yes, I think are the, the ones we love. Food on mm. my weekend is probably yeah. the most fun yes. weekend 
yeah. of the year because there's yeah. no assholes and everyone loves being love here. It. Right. Of food. You don't have anyone complaining. No. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> love it. Favorite yeah. weekend of the year. Yes. Favorite weekend of the year. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to see, obviously, how it goes next month. And perhaps we can come back at some point after the guide comes out and maybe reconvene and get you all back. Well, if we're not on the list, we're not here. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Must, I don't care who is in Aspen, but I want Aspen to be in the list. Agree on the map. Okay. The I don't map. care. Yeah. I know. I think there's. There's no danger of that. There'll be plenty of us okay. represented in the guide. I'm sure. But the people that we like, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what we can do. In fact, if you just give me a list of places, maybe I'll just forward them to Michelin and we can, we can make it with Mawa's okay. guide. Yeah, Mawa's guide. Yeah. 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 Maybe you should start your own guide. One yeah, Mawa star or two Mawa stars. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. Too much to do. You have too much. Well, I think on that note, we'll wrap it up. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. Thank you, Thank you so much for taking the time. It's, it's been a real pleasure.